Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time, it's time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. Randy Peterson is out in the Okaboji Bureau of the Des Moines Register following the Iowa State tailgate tour. We'll connect with Randy here in a little bit to get the word from the road. But until then, we are all saddled with the uh, presence of one Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register who's sitting in for Randy today. Thomas, how are you? Good. I mean, I miss Randy, too. The show was at its best when it was just Randy. And that's that, that's inarguable. 45 <laughs> minutes of Randy talking into a microphone is the best it gets across content platform and mediums well and when you said he is on the cyclone tailgate tour like i envision him following the bus from stop to stop are you sure he's not like hooked into a trailer just following behind <laughs> just, it or what even would be better would be like a motorcycle sidecar that would be the way to that go. that would be him who would be driving <clears throat> i think like it'd be a specialized sidecar to the bus yeah. that would be the way to go right I got to imagine those guys are just thrilled to have you Randy see chasing them around Northwest Iowa. All, you know, I did notice somebody had put a picture of the bus leaving Ames and it looked like Cyclone Jerry was was following him around too. So <laughs> I'm yeah. sure after two years, all the coaches really missed being around the being on that bus together, driving around the state being followed around by fans it is quite an event like you and i have been on some of those stops before especially the year of hoiberg watch where we just kind of went from remember one one day we went to two different towns one i I know the latter one was clear lake humboldt was the morning it was the day after pollard had skipped out on uh i think uh western iowa sure stop and i spotted him at the airport later that <laughs> night um, and got no commented. And, uh, yeah, everybody expected him to be at that Humboldt spot, and he didn't make it, but he showed he, up in Clear Lake. So everybody went to Humboldt. Like, there was a contingent, and, like, people were not otherwise going to go to Humboldt. And then everybody had to go to Clear Lake, like, eight hours later. Well, and we got and Pollard there. He did a really good job, too, of just kind of feeding that beast because we I think it was, like, right before – the event started in Humboldt. They tweeted like, hey, I'm not in Humboldt, but I'll be in Clear Lake tonight. And I remember looking at you and we're like, guess we're going to Clear Lake today. Little known or little remembered fact of that is that so that was right when Fred Hoiberg was having recovering from his open heart surgery and his replacement on the tailgate tour, one TJ. Thomas John Otzelberger, who's now making it. So this is not TJ's first foray into the Cyclone tailgate tour. I just remember seeing him at it was at some restaurant in Humboldt and everybody looking at him and being like him being like, I got nothing to tell you, fellas. (laughs) I don't know. Talk to Fred. Talk to Jamie. I got nothing. He'd been on the job for like three weeks, I think, at that point, coming back from Washington. Yeah, it was such a tough spot, too, because that is literally what everybody wanted to talk to him about. Not just us, but of course, every fan that walked up to him wanted, wanted to know what the hell was going on. But yeah, I mean those stops are those stops can be pretty wild. It it's always insane to me that Clear Lake, like they go there every year. That's like one of one because all the coaches have a have a place up in Clear Lake. So they want to be able to stop and hang out there. But like the that surf ballroom is always packed. 
Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. tailgate tour making its way around the western side of the state this week. They'll turn and face the eastern side of the state next week. We'll talk to Randy Peterson here in the next segment to get his thoughts on the first tailgate tour since 2019. But now we're going to turn our attention to really what everybody continues to talk about in the college athletic space. And probably we're going to get my guesses all summer into college football season because there's I don't know that there's going to be a lot else that could overtake the topic of name, image, and likeness. And it, I'm not anticipating it, but I wasn't anticipating it last July either. But I think when you talk name, image, and likeness, you're probably also talking transfer portal. And those two things together are obviously shaping the sport to a major, major degree right now. And, you know, Tommy, Randy, and I argue about it mostly on this show. It's it's been our biggest source of friction on this show since I said, like, Blue Bloods isn't any good. So it's it's obviously a point of contention. And I think, like, my point has been... Obviously, this is a huge shift for college sports in the way, not only is it perceived, but in the actual way it operates. And I am i feel like I might be in the minority here a little bit. I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders. Yes, this is a seismic shift, but it, it's a shift towards the way the rest of this society and country works. I, I don't, I feel like the, the moral panic and the screams of chaos are overwrought here. I think... Obviously, this is a huge shift. There's going to be some growing pains, but I don't see this as some failing of college sports because, I mean, hell, look at it. Like, people want to get mad at athletes chasing dollars. What has college sports been doing for the last 40 years? They're chasing dollars, TV dollars, uh, conference realignment through TV dollars. This is just the athletes catching up to what the administrators and decision makers have been doing for decades, and, and I just I I have a hard time getting worked up over it as it being some moral failing on the part of part of college athletics or its athletes. Well, I feel like it's going to slow down drastically too. Where right now everybody's got all this money in this new option that they can throw around, at least something that was kind of behind closed doors before, but it's out in the open and definitely provides more people with the opportunity to get involved with it, but. Like at some point, it's all going to slow down where people are going to realize, like, man, I'm not getting enough with the money I'm spending on name, image, and likeness. I think eventually people are going to realize, like, okay, wow, it really wasn't worth me to invest my money in this. Or, you know, I, I am fascinated to see what's going to happen when you, you use your NIL money to get an offensive lineman and he doesn't play till his senior year. Or you get it to get a point guard who averages, you know, six turnovers a game. You know, at some point, people are going to be scared off by the entire process. And I think it eventually will even out. But right now, it is, I think it's fascinating and fun to watch the chaos ensue. Have, like, I'm going to just make it up, but like, have Kansas boosters grown tired of giving money to Kansas football? I mean, like they continue to pour money into that program, and but that's not paying working? off. Yeah, no, but they working. continue to pay money. So I guess I am dubious of if people give money for name, image, and likeness that they're looking at it as an investment. Surely some of it will be like where if I don't sell X more sandwiches or I don't move, you know, X percent more F one fifties, I'm not going to do this. But certainly, like, do you think Life Wallet cares if Nigel Pack really drums up? 400 grand of business for them over the next couple of years. Like I, 
I, I doubt it. Maybe. And, I mean, also the question to to your question would be, how much were boosters toward you know over the last couple of years or anybody really giving money towards Kansas football too? I mean, obviously they've been able to afford to go through coach after coach and yeah, buy are they out still after buying Charlie Weiss. Yeah, they still are. <laughs> but like on the flip side, it's again, not so like, like who cares if they're paying the <clears throat> backup quarterback twenty five grand? But I'm saying like they, it's not like. If they are throwing money at the program, not only is it not working from a wins and losses standpoint, but it's not like they are bringing in gigantic recruits by any means. Well, I mean, how much of it, too, is going to be boosters just wanting proximity to athletes? I think that's 100% or at least 98% of of how much it is, that power. Did you run a survey to get that scientific percentage Inside my head just right now, right this second, and... You know, my senses always lead me in the right direction. You, you clearly haven't looked in the mirror yet this morning. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I think <laughs> just move on from that. One. Yeah, we're okay. gonna <laughs> right up. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's you know, people want to be involved. People want to be a part of the program. People want to feel like they have some kind of say in the direction and you know uh, uh, how the how the football or basketball team is doing or whatever. And that's their way if they can't coach and they can't play. Yeah. I mean, where my patience runs real thin is where people talk about, well, this is college athletics. This is supposed to be amateur sports. It's supposed to be about the name in the front of the Jersey and not the back. And like, it just, I get that sentiment. I truly do. Like you want to watch something not only other than professional sports, but you want to do you know, if you're an alumni of a school and it's a place where you spent years of your life that you look back fondly and attribute whatever percentage of your success to, like it's nice to go be able to cheer on that school and in your mind think that these athletes are having the same experience you do, did and have loved the school just as much as you did, and you know, on and on and on. But but it ain't that. And it hasn't been that for a long time. It's always been a performance based business, not just for the coaches, but for the athletes. You don't play well enough. You not only lose playing time, you can lose your scholarship. And like, if you want this to be an idyllic 1950s, you know, Harvard, Yale football back in 1941, like if you want that, okay, turn back the TV dollars, turn back, go play, get rid of all the pop and circumstances. You no longer get $50 million a year from ESPN. And now we can do that. It can go because it will instantly turn into that. Because all of a sudden you suck out all that money out of the ecosystem, and now we're talking about amateur sports. It was only am- it, it wasn't even amateur for the athletes who weren't getting paid. When you look at the way the sport was conducted, so again, it's people that are yearning for something that this sport that these sports have not been in a long time. I just I I don't have a lot of patience for that. You may want it to be amateur athletics, but it hasn't been for a long time. And again, unless you're going to start turning away tens of millions of dollars a year it ain't ever going to go back 100 percent agree i mean the the door's been open and there's there's no way to go back in time so, so I, mean, I don't even really understand the argument for not paying players or allowing players to make money at this point because it's really again it, it's strange that this is one of the few areas in the world where people get really worked up about other people paying other people uh, it's just, it's kind of insane. I mean, it's jealousy too. Right? Would you like to expand upon that thought? No. Or are you going to just I'm, keep texting? Uh, no, no. I'm not texting. See, I've got some news coming up through 
There's some other beats, too. I don't believe you for a second. I have better things to lie to you about. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, can you uh, – I mean, we've heard it for years, too, where it's like imagine being a student athlete and, you know, you, you walk through the, the student bookstore and you see, you know, Brock Purdy's jersey for sale. It's not his name on it, but it's his number. Like, you think that's just a coincidence that – They've got his number for sale and not, you know, the the holder on the football team. I mean, that's just not right. That hasn't been for a long time. You got to let them have their piece piece of the pot. You're listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Travis Hines and Tommy Birch talking name, image, and likeness. Transfer Portal. We'll have Randy Peterson on the show here in a little bit. Tommy, I wanted to shift a little bit. Randy and I have talked about this at length, but wanted to get your thoughts on where Iowa State fits into this landscape of the transfer portal, of name, image, and likeness. We've seen the the We Will Collective spring up here in the last couple weeks or in the last month or so. I'm I'm dubious of... I think football will probably be okay. I think the... Because the amount of players you're talking about is so expansive and the the marginal gain you get from a single player is so much less in football than it is in basketball, in men's basketball. Obviously, if you get a Heisman winning running back or a quarterback, that moves the needle. But generally speaking, when you have 22 players on the field and 85 scholarship players, the marginal difference between those players and the prospective player is smaller but I do wonder about Iowa State basketball's ability to compete at the highest levels going forward if they're unable to really ratchet up NIL dollars, if this is indeed the system that we have for the next 10 or 15 years, which you can maybe make an argument we're going to see that overhauled. But you know, given what we saw with Tyrese Hunter, given what we've seen elsewhere, like I think it's a legitimate question. Is like As the rules are currently constructed – does Iowa State men's basketball recruit and retain an NBA player over the next 10 or 15 years? I mean, if they do, it's going to be a one-and-done type player. It's going to be a player. So not kind retain. Of like, yeah, it's going to be a, a a player like Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, it's it's going to be really. Okay, but here's this. Does Tyrese Halliburton come back for a sophomore year under this current system? I would think he probably does because that's his situation. And his personality, but who the hell knows? I mean, it definitely changes how you recruit, not just what you're looking for, but who you're looking for. I mean, uh, part of the reason why football is always going to be successful, too, is that Iowa State, you know, and, and Matt Campbell, they've not always you know, gone after, hey, these massive five-star recruits, people that, you know, out of high school are going to be um, generating a ton of name, image, and likeness type money. They're going to be diamonds in the rough, people that are often overlooked and eventually get noticed when they're at Iowa State. And I think that program, at least my experience around Matt Campbell and them, is that they they do a really good job of using that time of development to really build relationships and and, and build that trust and that connection where, by the time some opportunities may arrive for NIL, it's going to be really difficult for a player to walk away. Like what you had said when it comes to basketball, 
one, there are just so many options. Uh, there are very limited options out there of, of players who can make immediate-type impacts. And when Iowa State lands one, of course people are going to come you know, looking to poach. And I think the difference, too, is and that in basketball, professional basketball, at the highest level, the rewards are higher and the opportunities fewer than on the football side. In the NBA, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars almost immediately if you're a high-level draft pick, millions upon millions of dollars you know, if you're a, a middling draft pick, and there's only 60 picks in the NBA draft. Where you look on the other side of the, the spectrum at the NFL, you have seven rounds, and the money is comparatively much more modest, where you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars in your early years of your career. So the the urgency and the rush to go get that money and get that opportunity is potentially less, I think, on the football side than the basketball side. And I'll say two things about football, too, that I think you hit on in terms of Iowa State's ability to sustain in this new environment. One, I think putting all those guys in the NFL draft helps immensely to show you can come here as a two, three-star recruit overlooked, you know, in Charlie Kolar's case by your hometown university, come through our program, have success on the field, and then go get your money in the NFL. My concern potentially is when you're at Iowa State, and I'll use Matt Campbell's phraseology here, is that things are always difficult at Iowa State. They got to go up the rough side of the mountain. He loves that. Loves the rough side of the mountain. It is really tough at (laughs) Iowa State. That if you start to bleed players at the fringes on um, you know maybe not your star players maybe not your Brees Halls your Charlie Kolars your your Brock Purdy's your Will McDonald's but if you lose young guys like a, a Craig McDonald that we just saw at go to Auburn if you lose players like that up and comers or players at your fringes does that make a material difference when your margins again to steal a Campbell phrase are so thin that the difference between having that Fiesta Bowl season and then having that seven and six type season becomes even smaller if you're not able to retain players to a much to a high degree one through eighty five of your scholarships. And here's another angle to it all. I would say, like at least on the basketball side, there seems like a natural kind of feeding frenzy progression where it's like, okay, some of the major top elite programs are going to poach from like the schools like Iowa and Iowa State, Iowa and Iowa State can go poach from, you know, a UNI or Drake or a school like that. In football, you are going to go poach from UNI or some of those. You know, I don't know that that's true anymore. Some some of those smaller schools. I I think they may a little bit, but they aren't going to be able to do it at a level where it turns into like, hey, that's the difference in your football team going from. Five wins to eight wins. Well, yeah, well, I think in basketball, in terms of transfers, like transfers are the way you get older quicker and stay older. Where in football, because of just the general trajectory of players' career and development, I don't think that's necessarily the pressure to do that via transfer is not as important because just the, the natural progression of players' career is that it takes them two, three years before they really start seeing the field. So you don't need to bring in external players with the level of urgency to to get and stay old. And I think that's a big part 
on the college basketball side where you if you can go get a five-star freshman or you can go get a fifth-year senior that averaged 25 a game in the Missouri Valley Conference, like the the five-star freshman might have a higher ceiling and is going to be a better NBA draft prospect, but the the fifth-year senior might be able to help you win now and there is a a premium on that in college basketball that maybe isn't in in football because of those, you know, maturation issues. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, it's a weird world. We, we just don't know where it's going to go right now, but if you're Iowa state, it's an uncomfortable spot to be in for either sport. Yeah. I think it's uncomfortable for probably 90% of the programs out there that uh, are going to have a difficult time writing the checks at the other 10% of those programs are. You're listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KX. And now when we come back, we'll dial in to Randy Peterson, who is following the Cyclone tailgate tour around Northwest Iowa. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KX. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL. Thanks to Randy Peterson from calling in from the palatial Peterson Palace. Is palatial Peterson Palace redundant? Because a palace is by definition palatial. The the palatial Peterson abode. I don't know. I, I lost my alliteration there. Anyway, thanks to Randy for calling in uh, I, I from the Cyclone Tailgate Tour. Words that you know I don't know the meaning to. Yeah, I wanted to shift gears from uh, the return of the tailgate tour to a couple of topics from over at the Sioux Cup Basketball Complex, both on the men's and women's side. Starting with the men, day two of the G League Elite Combine is going on in Chicago, where A.J. Green of the Northern Iowa Panthers continues to compete and showcase himself. Obviously, I don't think there's any secret now. Iowa State seems to be essentially just waiting for AJ to finish up with his uh, NBA pre-draft process to make a decision about whether to stay in the draft or return to college. If he returns to college, I think it's overwhelmingly likely he lands at Iowa State, where his father, Kyle Green, is an assistant to finish out his career and hopefully help his draft stock. Um, we got to see. I mean, I think AJ obviously is incredibly talented. I know he's had, I think, five individual workouts with teams playing at the G League Combine. We saw in 2019, Mariel Shayok really go from fringe NBA prospect to G League Combine to NBA Combine to second-round pick. So, like, the path is there for players, and it's not even necessarily have to be a second-round pick if you're A.J. Green. If you get a promise of a two-way deal where you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, that probably makes your decision a little bit easier. If you're talking about an Exhibit 10 Deal, which probably puts you in just under a hundred thousand. Probably, I would think, thinking about it, but I would imagine returning to school looks a lot more uh, attractive at that level if you can get some level of NIL money at Iowa State. And then, if you can't get either, obviously, you return to school and hope playing presumably in the Big Twelve can make you more attractive to NBA teams, even as a year older. Tommy, I mean, do you have any thoughts on, you know, you've watched AJ in the Missouri Valley Conference. I think there's no doubt. I mean, I thought Iowa State should have taken him on the Steve Prome era. You know, if you'll remember, and I'm going to keep ranting here for a little bit. Yeah, you need me here. That as AJ was entering college, Iowa State lost an assistant, Neil Berry, to Texas. And I was pretty vocal that I thought the slam dunk thing to do would 
hire Kyle to replace Neil because Kyle is accomplished, well-respected coach for over two decades in college basketball, knew the area, could recruit Minneapolis where he's from and has gotten players to UNI. And oh, by the way, you get a top 125 kid in his kid, AJ. I also thought Drake should have hired him <laughs> because you're getting, again, all the things I said about Kyle, plus maybe the most accomplished recruit you've ever gotten in school history. Yeah, but does Iowa State get to where they're at right now? I mean, does you know getting him and getting AJ just slow the the process of Steve Perone possibly you know I mean lasting as long as he did at Iowa State. Tommy, this is do you see Gwyneth Paltrow around here? This isn't a sliding door situation. <laughs> I'm just recounting the history saying I think AJ Green can absolutely produce Absolutely, and I, I, I think there's just so many – obviously, there are extenuating circumstances when it comes to him, and it's not just looking at, like, okay, this this what the, the G League and, and NBA may have to offer, but obviously the opportunity to play for your dad, go to Iowa State, play on a really, really big stage, and really have the opportunity to enhance your draft stock, and I think – like, man, you would know better than I would, but it seems like based off of how last season went, like there, there's almost nowhere to go but kind of up for A.J. Green as long as he is healthy and just getting that opportunity. Because at Iowa State, man, he's going to get opportunities. Well, that's like – so two thoughts. Like one, the first on a downer note is, you know, as last season was winding down, you know, the I – mean, you can go back to last summer – there was already buzz around the Missouri Valley Conference that no, AJ's not going right to Iowa State with his dad, with Kyle getting hired by TJ, you know, last spring. But look for next year. The 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 buzz was almost immediately that AJ would finish out with his class at UNI and then potentially transfer to Iowa State for that fifth year. And that got even louder and felt more even a fate accompli as we got into to March of this last season. And like all I could think about was okay, this this offense is brutal for Iowa State, but a backcourt of Tyrese Hunter and AJ Green, like man, that is really interesting to watch. Obviously, that's not going to come to fruition with Tyrese Hunter, you know, going into the transfer portal and still has not as of now landed anywhere. But so I, that is just like an aesthetic bummer that you don't get to see those two play together. But if you're AJ Green, man, you look at the roster. Green light. Yeah, you, <laughs> Take you, as many shots as you want, AJ. Yeah, you're going to be the man. I mean, you thought you were the man at you and I, but, like, man, you're you're definitely going to have your shots now. And, like, man, what a what a stage that's going to be in. Like I had said, like, man, that draft stock seems like it can do nothing but soar. Yeah, and like, I mean, what, I, what has led you to believe that outside of an injury there could be anything that – this would be a potentially bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've already coined. I probably should trademark AJ Green's new nickname. I mean, it's just going to be AJ Greenlight, right? Like that's yeah. that, if he's at Iowa State, that's I think what it's going to be. And you know, we'll see what kind of help he gets. That, aren't you? I, I just you're you're seeing the magic happen live on radio, folks, you, or at least listening to it. You should trademark it and make him buy it off you, rent it from me, yeah, <laughs> lease it, yeah. Um, because like the other part too is like you look at what Iowa State did in the transfer portal last year where you didn't really get like the player that people got excited about was Tristan Anaruna and that obviously did not come to fruition but you had Isaiah Brockington you know become a first team all big 12 player you know did they already strike gold and we don't know it I think you have to wonder about that given their track record and what they were able to do with that team last year where you know 
that A.J. Green maybe has more help at Iowa State than we would have otherwise thought. But again, like, and then the other side of this thing is like, if A.J. does get a second-round promise or does decide to stay in the, the portal or shocks everybody and transfer somewhere else, excuse me, stay in the NBA draft or transfer somewhere else, which I think is very unlikely, like, Iowa State's now got a gaping hole at guard that they got to fill with this last scholarship. Well, I mean, we uh, you would once again in the area you would know better than I would, but they have not been actively recruiting for that no. the, that spot. So I think that tells you all you need to know that like like I the anticipation I almost, is that AJ Green will be on the roster, yeah, and they really do not expect AJ Green to hear anything from NBA teams to make you really worry. And I get. Like I don't know that I would say that. I mean, like part of it is like if you have AJ Green and you whatever percentage you think is likely that he comes to Iowa State, and I think it's a high percentage, whatever that number is, is worth just waiting on that process to play out. And if it plays out to where you he ultimately stays in the draft, okay, well you lost. That's like you know getting twenty in blackjack and then the dealer getting five cards to a twenty-one. Like you had great odds and you lost. Sometimes that happens. I think that's that's sometimes just the the way you got to deal play your hand um the other side of the suit cup basketball complex the what red bull national three-on-three championships the iowa state women you know you watched had you followed i did it it was it was a lighting up social media at least in my small corner of the world uh the last week or so well i mean there there's just so much excitement over the iowa state women based off of what they did last year what they could do this year and like tell man, people how they finished first time. We didn't even get that far. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to build the <laughs> suspense. They lost in the semifinals, but they had a really good run where they knocked off some really good teams, shot the ball well, and really showed like, hey, why this team could be a top five team going into next year. And I think obviously what you saw was you saw Ashley Jones, Emily Ryan, Lexi Darnarski do well, but what you saw from do like really gives you a lot of excitement going into next year where you know there's like, hey, another player with a lot of versatility and a multi kind of skill set that can do so many different things and really add some balance to that team. So, man, like excitement level, it it seems like the last two or three years, like every year I go into the season writing like, oh, my God, there are high expectations for this team like oh and, my god <laughs> oh my god and they're they're going to be gigantic expectations this year probably expectations that we haven't seen in well over a decade and rightfully so it's not hyped up made up out of nowhere it's proven talent that they have coming back and rightfully so yeah and i think to your point the fact that they've had really high maybe you know the highest expectations multiple years in a row and we've seen them handle it really well. I mean, even last year where they hit that, what felt like maybe a spot where they things could skid in a bad direction with the the COVID uh, health and safety protocols, they responded to all the expectation, to all the adversity, you know, extremely well until that you know s- Sweet Sixteen game. It, but you get to the Sweet Sixteen, you know, it's kind of gravy from there. That they really lived up to all the expectation, to all the hype, and handled it very well. That. You know, this will be at a new level, and you know, I do wonder sometimes about just teams being together for so long. Like it just gets hard to keep things together. But you know, if past performance is the best indicator of future performance, I don't know that you have to worry particularly hard about this team being able to handle a media spotlight, an expectation spotlight, 
and everything that comes with being a top five or top ten preseason team. Especially when you have strong leadership, you know, people that have been around for a long time like Ashley Jones. It's not like it's a one-time thing, and now you have newbies that are kind of being thrown into it. All right, that's all we got on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL. Thanks again to Randy Peterson for joining us from the road. If you missed our conversation with Randy or any of today's show, be sure to check out the podcast wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. He's Thomas Birch. I'm Travis Hines. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. We go now to the phone lines where Randy Peterson is holed up in the Northwest Iowa Bureau of the Des Moines Register following Iowa State coaches throughout the entire state on the Cyclone Tailgate Tour. Randy, appreciate you making some time for us today. Well, it's it's just always nice to, to talk to you. Um, hope you're okay today without me being in the studio and arguing with you with, um, with everything that you say. And I don't know, maybe I still can find a way to argue with you. I don't know. You know, Tommy is doing his best, but just, just cannot match you for intellect or wit. So we'll, we're going to do our best, but you know, I'm glad you were able to join <laughs> me here for a few minutes to talk about what it's like you know, really what had become a spring mainstay for Iowa State Athletics with getting the coaches out on the road to see the state, to see the fans all across the state that had to go virtual in 2020 and 2021 due to the pandemic. Now, as uh, it's, we try to move on to the other side of things here, across the world, the Iowa State tailgate tour is back. It made its uh, first stops of the year last night. You were in Carroll for the first stop of the tour, going to be in Okaboji tonight for day two Randy what was your impression of the tailgate tour being back you know generally both for the fans and then for the Iowa State coaches and administrators who uh, have made this thing happen and are now back on the road yeah I've always I've always liked this Um, I've covered these events before where it's been kind of stuffed shirt um, you know very formal at these things it's, it's just sit back um, you know, kick back and, and uh, um, the coaches walk around and talk to people and um, they have a brief a brief show, but it's mostly just interacting and, and uh, um, um, eating hamburgers with people off the grill, um, which is the way it was done in, in Carroll, at least. So, yeah, it, 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 it's good. Um, Iowa State's not been on the road like this um, since 2019, and they've had a lot to talk about. They had a lot to talk about, and a lot's happened since then. I mean, they weathered through a pandemic. Um, basketball program is, is – men's basketball program is turning around. The women's basketball program, I asked Finley yesterday about about having a, you know, probably going to coach a top four or five team in the, in the, in the country in the preseason ratings. Um, um, Iowa State's – and I know that the, the Travis and, and Tommy and I, you, the three of us kind of poo-poo the, the all-sports standing. But um, I guess when you look at the all-sports standings, the last time Iowa State was out on, a, on the um, – out rolling around the state in a bus in 2019, Iowa State was number 58 in the all – sports standings and and i i mentioned to jimmy pollard that they were number 23 
now in 2000, whatever this is, in 2022, and he, he was quick to correct me, naturally, um, um, saying, no, it's number 20. So they've got a lot to talk about, and the fans are very receptive to it. They, they say what the fans want to hear, um, and fans can ask questions, and they do. Um, and actually, fans were, I don't know, there were probably 300 people who were at Carroll yesterday, 250 maybe, I don't know, um, who were at Carroll yesterday. Um, you know, and they, a lot of them were waiting in line to get in, even, and it's a free event, so um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, Randy, I don't know if you saw the news this morning that the, the Cap City League is coming back from a, a two-year hiatus but without Iowa State and Drake players, and we'll see if that ever changes going forward in the future. But I think you know what the, the tailgate tour provides now is in a, a shrinking world of opportunities to interact with Iowa State players and coaches in low-stakes, free environments. You know, To have this opportunity come back, I think, is – beneficial for Iowa State fans because it gives you the chance to interact, hear from, see these people that normally you only see on TV or from very far away after spending you know quite a bit of your time and money to make it happen. So to get these type of opportunities, you know, that are becoming more fleeting, which is just the way of the world, you know, I think is certainly a great opportunity, you know, for Iowa State fans, you know, if they want to take advantage of it, certainly especially for those fans further away from Ames where those opportunities are even harder to make happen. Yeah, and they were in Council Plus last night in Sioux City. Um, what is this, Wednesday morning? Um, and and I, I was told that there could be players who would eventually show up on on the tour, and it would not surprise me if, like, Hunter Deckers is here tonight. For their uh, um, name, image, and likeness check? <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that. There will be possibly be here to sign um you know sign stuff for the for people um in in years past they've players have shown up and then they've sat at a table and signed autograph you know signed posters or you know whatever autographs and and if they were getting paid it would be um i didn't i didn't see if they were getting paid i guess back in last time i was around here in 2019 but uh um yeah i don't know that'll be a good question I, i don't have any idea but uh um, yeah, there could be some some players show up, and that's that's an, that'll be interesting. And I did not know about the Cap City League, which is which I, I find interesting but not surprising. Um, you know, Travis, you know as well as I do that Iowa State players didn't exactly relish the fact of that they practice all afternoon or play scrimmage, you know, pick up games all afternoon, whatever days, Tuesdays and Thursdays, let's just say, and then drive an hour to Des Moines and play basketball again, or turn around and drive an hour. So I guess I'm not surprised. We're talking to Randy Peterson on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Randy, you were talking to coaches and athletic director Jamie Pollard yesterday, and Carol didn't seem like anything too incredibly newsy, but what were the the, the takeaways from the, the coaching staffs and the administrators there about, uh, I guess, either the state of things of college athletics or more locally you know, with their programs or the, uh, the headliners? Excuse me. For me, excuse me. Whoa. For me, it was the first time to to talk to Matt Campbell since Craig McDonald, um, who would who would have played a lot at safety, entered the transfer portal. <clears throat> That's at least four safeties that are in the portal. Four safeties that had starting experience, um, and they and they either went into the portal after after the season or like in. Um, 
Craig McDonald's situation two weeks ago, which I was really suspicious about. Um, he did it after after um, the spring workouts. He did it, um, and, and he promoted Iowa State in a, in a tweet um, on social media a couple of days before he entered the portal. So that, well, that was kind of surprising to me. So I, I just point blank asked, Ask Matt. I says, I said, do you suspect tampering? And he looked at me and, um, you know, without a whole lot of hesitation, he said, no, he didn't expect tampering, and he's not going to accuse anybody of tampering unless you know, unless there's blatant tampering out there. Um, he didn't know what it was. Um, I asked him about what his conversation with Craig McDonald, and you know, he he said that he'd keep that to himself, but. Um, yeah, he, so Campbell said there was no tampering, which I still find it interesting. There's those four guys out there, four starters who who entered um, the portal, um, you know, and, and Craig McDonald ends up what three a week after he enters the portal. He's at he's at Auburn. Interesting to me, but but if Campbell doesn't suspect there's tampering, then or at least publicly suspect there's tampering, then you know, not much I can do about that. But uh, I find that I found that that um, very. Um, Interesting. So I spent most of my time talking talking with Matt um, about that. I asked Finley about um, Ashley Jones, and he said that she could be a top five pick in the next draft, um, which I which I found interesting also. So um, yeah, there's just there there wasn't a whole lot of news, but there's just stuff out there. I mean, Jamie said that he's in favor of the Big Twelve once it becomes once it finally lives up to its number that they become it's just a one division conference and, and no divisions and, and uh um they'll figure out a way to 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 manage a schedule because it's been kinda of cool in years past as everybody knows it's been a round robin schedule where everybody plays everybody. Well that ain't happening now. Um but they'll they'll figure it out and Jamie's in favor of of just um everybody lumped together into into one. So um we'll see how that how that plays out plays with moving forward. Randy Peterson out up in Northwest Iowa following the Iowa State tailgate tour, joining the Cyclone Insider radio program. Randy, appreciate the time. Try to not get too sunburnt out on the lake today and then get <laughs> – Yeah, uh, right. It's, it's raining right now. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I you know, <laughs> eventually the storm will clear and you'll be out on the dock or out on the boat. I have full faith in you to be able to uh, to get out there and – Enjoy all that uh, Okaboji. With my laptop. All, all, all that the Northwest Iowa Bureau of the Register has to offer. <laughs> Thanks. I think. When we come back, <laughs> Tommy Birch and I will talk some Iowa State men's and women's basketball on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL.